in 1 Thessalonians 4, and I'm going to read from verse 13, and um, through this evening, this time together that we have, um, I'd like you, if you do have a pen, a pencil, a marker, whatever, to mark out some verses as we're going along. Now, if you're following on a phone, mark them out, okay, highlight, okay, and it would be wonderful if you, through this week, you can go back over some of these scriptures again, because this is so critical. Guys, this is what we're waiting for, Jesus to come back, and uh, He's not leaving us here as orphans. So, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13, uh, Paul is speaking, and he says, we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep that you may not grieve as others who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven, with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. There'll be a resurrection. Then we who are alive, when Jesus returns, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Can you say amen to that? And he says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. What must we do? Encourage one another with what? With what? These words. Are you doing that? We will from tonight. Now, chapter 5, concerning the times and the seasons. Brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. Paul's not going to go into this. He's like, you guys already know this stuff. And he says, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a what? A thief in the night. How many of you have ever had a thief in the night? We're in South Africa. This was written for us. <laughs> While people are saying there is peace and security then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. How many of you women have experienced labor pains? <laughs> we won't go there. Okay? But, verse 4, you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't like thieves. I find thieves very inconsiderate people. They call when they're not invited. They come into your property when you don't ask them to come in. They take things that they don't ask for. They never say thank you or please. And when they borrow, they don't return. I don't like thieves at all. I'm sure you don't either. And... You know, I can tell you, there's one time in my life when I've been thankful for a thief. And I'm sure all, how many of you, by the way, you've, you've, you've had stuff stolen from you more than one occasion? 
okay? There's only one time in my life, and my wife, Karen, she can validate this. There's only one time in my life where I've ever been thankful for a thief. And that was years ago in our congregation in Cape Town. And I used to dress pretty casual. And there were some folk in the church that thought I needed to dress up a bit. I need to look a bit smarter. And this one wealthy lady in the church, she went to Truest Man. And she bought me some kit. And among the kit was this pair of velvet pants, <laughs> trousers. And skinny. And it was that, you know, with that low cut on the back. I mean, it was horrible. And I hate being exposed. But velvet. And I mean, up to that time, I only ever wore jeans. And... and she bought me these, and the worst part, my wife made me try them on. The worst part, they, I mean, they were skinny up till here, and then the legs, they were like bell bottoms. And, I mean, I was the biggest idiot. My wife just was in hysterics. And, well, she put them in the, the boot of the car, and that night, someone broke in, and they stole them. <laughs> and I said, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I was saved. That was horrible. <laughs> but, you know, the, the one thing about thieves, thieves rely on the element of surprise. They don't leave calling cards. When you're asleep, that's the best time for a thief to strike. I had a good friend, Nicholas, and um, he'd been at a late night, and um, he was going through the company gardens, and he thought, saw one of those nice benches by the oak trees, and he thought, yeah, he was just going to take a little snooze, lay down, and when he woke up an hour later, his shoes were missing. <laughs> he was a victim of theft. Someone just nicely stole his shoes, and they went off with it. That's how thieves work. And isn't it interesting that Jesus, when he spoke about his return, because where did Paul get this idea of the thief in the night? That was Jesus. Jesus said it first. And he said, this is what my return is going to be like. I'm going to come with surprise. People are not going to be expecting. In fact, people are going to be talking about peace and safety and security. Probably at this time, there won't be any world wars going on in earth. And at that time, Jesus is coming back. And he's going to return. And I want to talk to you in, to this area a little bit about the return of Jesus, because this is such a heavyweight truth in the New Testament and in the Bible. This is big. In fact, you know, in Acts 2.42, when the church, and we read how they began to gather daily, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine, breaking of bread, prayer, that kind of thing, that the apostles' doctrine, one of the most important doctrines that they were teaching was the return of Jesus. He's coming back. And this is so key that if you look through the New Testament, you will find that the return of Jesus is mentioned in almost every single book in the New Testament. In fact, the last book of the Bible is just the whole thing. It makes up about one-eighth or one-tenth of the New Testament. It's 
it's pretty big. Someone has, had worked out that in the New Testament, seven out of every ten chapters has a mention of the return of Jesus. Um, when you think about Jesus speaking of his return, he spoke of it at length. There's Old Testament prophecies that speak of the return of Jesus. The apostles, when they preached, if you look at the evangelistic services and mentions and sermons, you will see that oftentimes, right at the end, they would throw in something about, hey, you know he's coming back. If you want to scrick an unbeliever on Musenberg Beach, tell him, do you know Jesus is coming back? Any moment he could come back tonight, what will happen to you? It's a very strong motivation for people to accept Jesus. Just remember that when you're doing outreach. But this is so important. Jesus preached about the signs, how we can know when he is coming back. And so this is a very high-level apostolic doctrine of the Bible. It's something that we need to teach and massage in over and over and over what happens when we don't, when we neglect it? Well, people become lethargic. They start to think, oh, well, I can live any old way I want. It's like the kids, you know, when mom and dad are out. But, you know, when they call it, hey, we're going to be home in 10 minutes. Whoop! We've got to get things sorted out. Jesus knows how we are. You know, this weekend, I, I had a shock discovery. Because I was looking through and I thought, I, I just want to find some teachings on um, the, the return of Jesus, second coming of Jesus. And, and so um, I thought, hey, let me just look on a couple of, I couldn't find anything on Josh Jen. I thought, okay, let's check some other churches. Checked Shofar, checked Hillsong. I checked because I wanted to find out when are people, are the churches in Cape Town, are they teaching about Jesus coming back? Horror of horrors, every single church, Church of England, um, I, Common Ground, I, I, you name it. I could not find, just going back one year, two years, three years, I couldn't find a single message. It's kind of a bit scary, isn't it? And I go, what's going on here? Have we missed something? Did Jesus already come back? And what? No, don't, I won't even put that. That's heresy. <laughs> but, you know, when, when I, was, I was like thinking about this and I thought, okay, let me Google. I'll just Google the line and, and I'll say sermons on the return of Jesus. And even at that, it, it brought up like two or three messages and one of them was from 1969, Billy Graham. Like, I'm like, get out of here. This cannot be. So I thought I'm going to have to speak to you guys tonight on the return of Jesus. Okay, we're going to put it in the record, amen? But you know, when I, I thought about it, and guys, do you know that Jesus is excited about coming back for you? Do you know that? Are you excited for him to return? You know, I, I think it would be an awful thing if the church on earth was not looking forward to Jesus coming back. We need to be. This is something that says, encourage one another with these words. It's an exciting thing. And so we can look forward to that. I want to look at just two or three questions. And the first is, when will Jesus return? I think that's important. And how will he return? 
when will Jesus return? Well, he says, as a thief in the night. It's going to be sudden. It's going to be immediate. It's when Jesus comes back to earth again. It's going to be like the days of Noah. Because Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. And he says, they didn't know. They were marrying and partying and enjoying life to the full. And they didn't know that moment when God closed the door and shut them in and the rains came down. And Jesus says, when he comes back, this is how it will be. There'll be two women standing together. One will be taken, the other will be left. Two men will be together working. One will be taken, the other one left. And he said, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So what is the answer? When is Jesus coming back? At an hour you do not expect expect. And so it's, you know, when you, you think about this, and, and listen, Jesus coming back at a specific time, well, we know the way the globe works, earth. For some people, it will be morning when he returns. For others, it will be afternoon. For some, it will be the middle of the night. And just think about that, the implication, how the coming of Jesus will put a sudden stop to things. You know, I was, I, was, I was thinking of this and just letting my mind run a bit. Just imagine Jesus comes back on a Monday morning at 10 o'clock and there's a school class going on. And poof, Jesus has come back. Or just imagine two businessmen are busy shaking on a deal. Okay, this is going to be big. Poof, Jesus comes back. Some kids are having a little scuffle. Poof, Jesus comes back. Just imagine it. All the, I mean, you can just run with the scenarios. Springboks are busy playing the All Blacks and they're about to score and poof, Jesus comes back. Things are going to happen. People, yeah, people will be Cape Town International Airport about to take off on a flight to Canada and Jesus will come back. It's going to happen, guys. It will be like that. Just think about it. Just think in a hospital where doctors are performing an intricate heart surgery. Pass me the scalpel. <laughs> Jesus has come back. Someone will be at the dentist having a root canal. <laughs> Jesus has come back. It's going to interrupt a lot of things. And Jesus said, I'm coming as a thief in the night. At a time you do not expect, you also be ready, therefore, is what Jesus says. Now, that's when will Jesus return? How? How will Jesus return? Well, it's described here in chapter 4. And three things we can say about Jesus' return, how it will happen, what it will be like, and you can write down these three words, visible, audible, incredible. This is how it's described to us in 
chapter 4 and verse 16, and it says, For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So just think that, that's going to be visible. It says they will meet the Lord together in the air, in the clouds, verse 17. So the first thing is it's going to be a visible. This is not going to be a secret or an invisible thing. Like remember at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and yeah, they saw that there were the tongues of fire and there was the wind, but they didn't see anything visibly. This is going to be visible. In fact, even unbelievers will see Jesus when he comes back with all the angels. Um, that's in Revelation chapter 1. It says, and every eye will see him. And even people will mourn at that moment. It's going to be visible. Secondly, it's going to be audible. Audible, yes. It says with the sound of a trumpet, the cry of an archangel. You know, that makes me think so much of Joshua. As he was leading the Israelites around Jericho before that great city fell and before the walls caved in. And he said to the people, shout now, for the Lord has given us the city. And all the priests blew their horns, and they sounded as the trumpets blew, and the people shouted, and suddenly those walls just imploded and fell to the ground. And God gave them the city. And the similar thing, when Jesus returns and all the angels, there's going to be this loud cry. And people are going to look up to the sky and go, what on earth was that? And they're going to hear the horns. That's going to be the moment. Guys, it is going to be awesome. Amen. This is going to be insane. It's going to be incredible. Because it says, we who live and remain will be caught up. The words caught up in the original Greek language is the word harpazo. And it's, it, it's a very... It's an expressive word that means literally to snatch up. It means that we who are alive at that moment when Jesus is in, yes, the dead saints are going to be resurrected, they'll be there and everything, but we will be snatched up. Now, if you read in the Old Testament, you read in 2 Kings, I think it's chapter 1 or 2, where Elijah, Elijah and Elisha are walking. They're walking together around the Jordan. The Lord's okay. It's a time, Elisha. You have uh, Elijah. You finish your ministry. Elisha, you starting your ministry, and the Bible says a whirlwind came and and suddenly Elisha, Elijah was like a missile going off, and there was God to meet him. The armies, the chariots, and the horsemen of of heaven, and he was off. There was something, this heavenly whirlwind that took him up. On the day of Pentecost, we read about this mighty wind that went through the place where they were staying, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Guys, that wind is going to make you weightless. That wind, you are going to take off in the air like a helium balloon, and even faster, like a drone. You're just going to, to meet the Lord in the air. Listen, unbelievers are going to go, what the hell? 
this is crazy. There's the seagulls, and there's the turtle doves, and there's like the Christians. You know, it's going to be insane. Guys, this is, this is real. This is what the Lord, Apostle Paul, is telling us what it's going to be like. Just use a bit of imagination. And so, this moment is... Paul is describing, and I like the way he says in chapter 5, you, don't, you guys actually don't need me to talk about this. You really know it perfectly. You know the times, you know the seasons. Jesus told us what it's going to be like. There's going to be wars, rumors of wars. There's going to be false prophets and false tears. There's going to be all these kind of crazy things and diseases and earthquakes and tsunamis. Everything you see on the news every day. Those are the signs. He says, you know this stuff. Now, when he says this, and this is so, I think this is crucial here, and there's a couple of verses I'd like to mark these out. He says, and uh, you need to know the pronouns here. So now just look here in verse 2. He says, you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord, okay? Who's you? Us. Verse 3, when people are saying there's peace and security, who's saying that? Us? No, them. Then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman. And who will not escape? They. But verse 4, you are not in darkness, brothers, that this day should surprise you like a thief. Verse 5, for you are all children of the light and children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So, guys, we have got to make a distinction between us and them. They are not us. And this is so important because, listen, your whole understanding of the return of Jesus, because face it, there's a lot of bad stuff going to happen in Revelation when those prophecies start unfolding. And this is so important because I'd ask you to just mark out verse 9 and verse 10 because he talks of us Again, and he says, God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. He has not appointed us. When you get saved, the return of Jesus is something you look forward to, you get excited about. Because for you who are saved, and for me, that return of Jesus means heaven. For those who are not saved, who have said, no, thank you. Don't give me your religion. I don't want Jesus. For them, the return of Jesus is destruction. Do you get it? We need to make that clear distinction. For some, it is salvation, those who believe. For others, it is destruction. And so if you're here tonight and you are thinking about this truth, the return of Jesus, that He's coming back, what is it for you? Is it salvation or your destruction? Will it be your best moment ever or will it be your absolute demise? And you see, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Saved from what? Destruction. 
saved salvation. And so it's a glorious day. It's something that we look forward to. I look forward to. I'm excited about Jesus coming back. And it says encourage each other. If this was destruction and, you know, hey, it's going to blow up and we're going through that. No, we're caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we'll always be with the Lord. How long is always? Always. Forever. That's eternity. And so, this is what he is saying over here. And yeah, if, if you're here tonight and you haven't trusted in Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, because listen, the Lord says two things, believe and be baptized. And if you haven't given your heart fully to Jesus, because Jesus loves you, Jesus cares for you, you are important to him. You've heard it said before that if you were the only person living on earth, that Christ would have still come to earth to die for you. And that the most amazing thing that you can experience in your life is Jesus coming into your life. When you open up your life to Jesus and you say, Jesus, I want to receive you as my Lord and Savior. That is exciting. Guys, I've experienced that with each of my children. Having them one by one say yes to Jesus and then get baptized. And maybe, yeah, maybe you've never got baptized. Maybe you've never made that decision. And you see the important thing, because Jesus says whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. You want to be ready for Jesus to come back. Give your heart to Jesus tonight. Ask Jesus to come into your life and to wash away your sins. Don't just be a religious person. Be a saved person. Amen? So just one or two more things to say to you. And that's um, that first question I ask you. Will you be awake when Jesus returns? I want to say yes to that. And I want you to say yes to that. And the scripture, what he says, and he says, listen, verse 5, chapter 5 you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night, of the darkness. There was a prophetic word that came up during the worship about darkness and heaviness. And the Lord says, you're not of that. That's not your life, darkness. You're children of the light. And he says, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. So now, what is he saying here? How is sleep? How, you mean I must keep awake all the time? He's talking spiritually awake. You know, when we talk of, uh, how many of you ever heard the word revival? What is revival? Revival is when we're awake. We are living. There's life in us. Okay? And that, spiritually speaking for us, is we're in a state of revival. We are ready for Jesus. And he says, let us not sleep. Now, just think. And I love the way um, Andrew Sally, like he's always emphasizing, hey, the bride, making ourselves ready. We are the bride of Christ. And can you imagine if when Jesus returns, the bride isn't ready? But she's found a little dark corner somewhere in the church and there she is, wedding dress all crumpled up. And all you can hear in that corner is, 
And yes, the music. I mean, come on. And she stands up and says, where's the bride? And she stands up and her hair's all ruffled and her lipstick's all kind of smudged. And she's like, where is he? I'm coming for him. That would be like awful. How many of your husbands would have liked your bride to be like that? Huh? She's just wiping the fish and chips off her face. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm here. I know. The bride has done what? Made herself ready. And that, that's just really for us. And I think for us in ministry, this is what we need to stir up. Get ready for his return. Get ready for Jesus to come back. Now listen, a bit of this chapter, and let me summarize it. Four things that could put you to sleep. Four things that could make you the sleeping bride when Jesus returns. And we need to note them. And the first is drunkenness. Drunkenness. He says in verse 6, let us not sleep as others do. Let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk are drunk at night. And he says, since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. And so three times there, he's referring to being of a clear mind. He's telling us, like, we need to be sober-minded. Guys, we need to watch out for alcohol. We need to watch out for dope. We need to watch out for those, anything that would dull or blunt your mind. And Ephesians 5.18, it says, Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, evil, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you see, these two kinds of spirits that are mentioned here. There's the seven comfort kind of spirit. <laughs> and there's the real comforter. God's comforter. Okay? You, you know, you're doping on the one, you miss the other. You're full of that one, you don't need that. And you see, for us, and even I realized, and, and God really spoke to me about this, that I felt that there are and I wouldn't want to say this here at Musenberg because like you guys, like I mean, I'm looking at you, you guys look like angels. You're like amazing people. But guys, you need to watch out for alcohol. Can so quickly, like you know, they talk of the demon of alcohol, that thing can creep up on you. My brew, my sister, okay? You just got to watch out with that stuff. Because it dulls the senses. Guys, let me tell you a story. Many years ago when Cor and I planted in the city and we, man, we dealt with everything. God called us onto Greenpoint and we were counseling people out of like prostitution and sexual stuff and brokenness and alcohol and alcohol and alcohol and alcohol and alcohol and drugs and heavy stuff and heroin and it was heavy. And... My phone rang one Monday morning, and an American voice said, are you the pastor of that church? And I said, yes, I am. He said, please, can I meet with you now? 
and this guy was like sobbing on the phone, and I'm like, I, I don't know, who are you? I'm just saying, no, someone gave me your number. Can I please, please, please come visit you? I've done something horrible, and I, I just need you to pray with me. I'm like, okay, sure, come by, and I gave him my address, and he stopped by, and this guy, I mean, the moment he sat down in my office, he was bawling, crying, and as the story came together, and it was just like one of those where I'm just, Jesus, I wouldn't wish this on anyone, came in, flew into Cape Town, found his way around, got a backpackers in Seapoint, and in that backpackers, there was a young homosexual man, and this Friday night rolled along, and this homosexual man said to him, hey, don't you want to hang out? Just let's have a few drinks, and in the bar there, they had a few drinks, and he got a little bit tipsy, and the next thing, the homosexual man said, hey, uh, there's this lacquer club down in Greenwood. You want to join me? And it's like, oh, okay, let's go for it. The gay club took this guy into a gay club. This guy was a Christian, took him in there. And this guy got even more drunk and plastered, and he woke up the next morning in bed with another man. And he was crying. He was bawling his eyes out. He's like, I don't know what I did. I don't know what I did. And he said the worst thing is that guy, when he woke up, he told me he's got HIV. And this guy was broken, like you cannot believe. And guys, that is what alcohol can do to you. If Jesus is saying, do not be drunk on wine, well, Jesus drank wine, Jesus drank wine, you guys watch out. And maybe, and I believe, this is the word God gave me, is that there's someone, yeah, maybe somebody, or two people, whatever, but the Holy Spirit's already been warning you about that. This is not the first warning. This is the second warning. The Holy Spirit's been speaking to you about this. Get out your life. Remember, come clean. Sober-minded. Your mind is sharp. Secondly, and guys, this is getting real personal now. Verse 12 and verse 13. What is your attitude to leadership? Church leadership. He says here, we ask you, brothers to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. What is your attitude towards leadership? You know, if you want to pick a fight with anyone, don't pick it with Dylan. Because he'll beat you up. He's a big guy. No, I'm kidding. He's a big guy. But, but if you're going to pick a fight with anyone, who are you going to pick it with? Not a church leader. Because there is a call, like when those guys, your elders, who are ministering to you, they are standing in the place of Jesus. They are ministering to you. Okay? And... There's, this isn't the only warning. There are other warnings in Scripture. If you've got an issue with a church leader, deal with it. Guys, when I was in a church, Corin's dad was the pastor. I was dating Corin. 
And I had an issue with the youth leader. And I was, I was a little bit prideful and arrogant. And in the church, I like, just called the youth leader out on something. And uh, he told me in no uncertain terms that God could take me out. And I suddenly, as he said those words, I just like the Holy Spirit grief came over me and I just realized he was right. Maybe the point I was making was right, but the fact is, listen, and, and the Bible says, don't receive an accusation against an elder without two witnesses, okay? We've got to be careful here, guys. It's the holy ground. Remember when guys came, I mean, you read in the Old Testament, people came against Moses, against Aaron, the ground opened up. I mean, they, this is hectic stuff. Okay, now I'm not going into that, like touch not the Lord's anointed, but there is something in that where David wouldn't cut the edge off Saul's garment. And Saul was by no means the perfect king, but he said he's the Lord's anointed. And your elders, Dylan and their wives, and those that God has called out, separated for the ministry, we need to honor them. And if you guys are here, maybe you here and you've left another church to come here because you had issues with the leaders, you need to go resolve that. Don't know all you people, don't know all of you, but you got bitterness towards another leader. You need to deal with that because that could be affecting you and putting you to sleep. So important. It's getting a bit hectic, isn't it? Is this in the Bible? Yes. Third thing to watch out for. And this is some kind where it, it does speak in verse 14, and we're going to close in just a minute. But verse 14, and it says, We urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. Just minister to people. And you know, when you start separating yourself, you've got to watch out for that. You know, what's the point of ministry? No one listens to me anyway. You know, a man walked up to me after church one day and he said, what's it like preaching week after week and no one listens to you? <laughs> and I knew something of his marriage. I won't tell you what I th said or thought, but, you know, and, you know, those things. But it's just like, guys, we are, listen, the church is the ministry team. We are here. What does it say we must do? It says we must encourage, we must admonish. We must help. We must be patient with people. You are part of the body of Christ. And if you separate yourself from the body of Christ, and you feel, I'm a born-again Christian. I just don't need the church. Watch out. You're going to go to sleep. We are part of the body of Christ. We're here. We are members of the Christ. And so, you know, um, I know there are people here who, who are faint-hearted. And I know there are other people here who are bold-hearted and that brother, yuck, I mean, just the boldness of the Lord. You encourage the faint-hearted, the bold-hearted. And there are idle people here who don't get excited about work, okay? And there are hard-working people here, and they can encourage you idle and admonish you. And there are weak people, and there are strong people here. And you see, this is how the body of Christ works. If you separate yourself from this, well, I got hurt, Christians are so unloving. Well, you think you're better off you and your TV? You know, I'll just watch the Christian programs because no one can hurt me then. Okay? 
you're making a big mistake. You're going to go to sleep. And so, those are the things he warns. And the last one that I'm going to bring out to you is just what he says in verse 15. And he says, See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for you and yourselves. Evil for evil. Who would do that? Okay? Someone who's bitter. Watch out for bitterness. Watch out. Well, that person owes me money. I hate them. They haven't paid me back. You know? It's just, get over it. Okay? Because bitterness is poison to the Christian. Bitterness will poison your heart if you are bitter towards anybody. They wanted me in. Forgive. Let go. That's what we must do. And so I'm going to close here. And just, I felt that those four things, and I just really want to call on the leadership team here and you guys, how you feel and how we need to respond. Because, you know, when we teach the apostles' doctrines, there's always the Holy Spirit there and say, I want, to, I want to move in people here. I want to move here. And God's spoken specifically tonight and a sense, God is saying here, like, like this issue of drinking, issue with leadership, an issue here where I'm just separating myself and I'm not going to be part of the body, distant, and I'm distancing myself. And where something's crept into my heart and it's just poisoning me. It's the bitterness I'm feeling towards somebody. Like where God wants to minister. When Jesus returns, will you be awake? The things that keep us awake are soberness, submitting to leaders, honoring them, the way that we deal with each other and be part of each other's lives keeps us awake, Forgiving others keeps us awake. And you might be thinking, like, yo, it's so hard, man. So hard to, like, actually let go of that thing. So hard. That, that, that bottle brings me so much comfort. It's hard some of that pain I'm feeling. See, these are things that we need to, in a place like this, we need to be open with each other. Hey, I need help here. And most importantly, if you're in this room tonight and you haven't stepped into Jesus, Jesus is waiting for you. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden with your sins, and I will take them. Jesus died on that cross to make us ready for his return. He died for you. So we're going to bow our heads now, and I'm going to pray. I'm just going to, trust the, I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit here. And uh, Lord, I just really want to pray as we open this up before you. And I just want to encourage every one of you who are...